0: has Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One Year No Beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks, and hacks for a way to live better. Welcome to another episode of the One Year No Beer podcast. I'm your guest host, Chris Laping sitting in for the incomparable Jen and Rory. As most of you know, Rory's father passed away a few weeks ago, and our hearts are with him and his family. I am humbled to be here on his behalf with all of you. Just a quick intro of who I am if you haven't listened to my other guest podcast. I'm the mastermind head coach at One Year No Beer, and I'm also a proud investor and board member. So... Let's get started with this week's podcast. Today, our focus is going to be on relationships. And the reason I chose this theme was simple. It's very common in the Challengers group for our members to share questions and posts about struggles they're having in their relationships. Struggles that started when they took a break from alcohol. As an example, I've read many, many posts from members who are doing an alcohol free challenge, and they will say, My significant other isn't supporting me and continues to drink. What do I do? So, I'm very happy to welcome this week's guest, Dr. Jeff Jennings, who is a clinical psychologist. In his career, he's focused on positive psychology, resilience, addictions, And he's an expert on forgiveness and relationships. Most important to me, he's been a very good friend since we were teenagers. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Jeff.
1: Thanks, Chris. And I just want to say hello to all the One Year No Beer community. And thank you for inviting me to be here with you today.
0: This is such a dream come true for me, Jeff, because I remember when we were 14 years old and we would have conversations with the cassette recorder running in the background while we talked about life and girls. It was like our own version of a podcast in the 1980s.
1: (laughs) I remember that well, goodness. Um, It would be awesome if you still had some of those tapes (laughs) for us to listen to, but I pray to God no one else ever hears them because nobody would ever take us seriously if they did.
0: I know. Um, You know, I mean, the good news is when we were young and we would do things like that and we would say really goofy things that would probably embarrass us for the rest of our lives. The good news is you were a straight A student and you did everything you were supposed to do in school. So I should have known that we would end up to this point in time where the straight-A student becomes the psychologist and is here to help all of the members of One Year No Beer. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's jump right into our chat, and here's where I'd love to start with our conversation. Uh, I'd love to start with something I see a lot at One Year No Beer, which I teased out in the beginning of the show. It seems like a, at least once a week, I'll see a new member who has signed up for an alcohol-free challenge but they have an important relationship with someone who didn't. As an example, a romantic partner or a really good friend, and the member feels like the other person doesn't support them, that they continue to drink, and sometimes our members will outright say, my significant other or my friend is trying to sabotage me. So let's talk about that. What can people do when they're in that situation?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I would start just by saying that this is not um, an unusual experience. It's probably very common. Um, quitting alcohol can really be a lonely and difficult journey at first, mm-hmm. which is why communities like when you're no beer are so vital. People really need support on this journey. And that support may or may not come from those closest to them. So, you know, if a person has been drinking for 5, 10, 20 years, whatever, a lot of their activities, habits, and relationships over time have come to center around consuming alcohol. And the decision to live alcohol-free for any period of time, whatever that might be, is really an individual decision. So just because... You know, you have decided to make this decision. Mm. You can't necessarily expect all the people around you to make the same decision at the same time. Now, it would be great if that were the case, right? You know, if everyone sort of joined in with us and could support us in that, but that's not likely to happen. And the thing to recognize is, you know, when two people are in a relationship for any length of time, They become accustomed to interacting with each other in a particular fashion, right? So, you know, think about your own relationships for a second. You know, you probably have that one person you always act really silly around or, you know, you have that person you always act serious and intellectual around or, you know, you have that one person you tell certain jokes to that you don't tell to anyone else, you know? Um, And so... You know, if you've been drinking with someone for a long time, you've developed relationships with people, you know, where drinking is just the norm, you know? And so, like I said, people become accustomed to relating to you in a particular way. And if you change something about yourself as significant as going without alcohol, it's not only going to change a lot of aspects of your own life, it's going to change the nature of your relationships too. And you know, while we would like everyone to be immediately supportive of our decision, some people simply are going to respond negatively. But here's where some perspective can be helpful. Mm. So you know, one thing to be aware of is the negative or unsupportive response is not because you know, they're some horrible person in most cases. <laughs> you know, it's most likely that they are afraid. And they can be afraid of a lot of different things. They might be afraid of losing the relationship um they might be afraid of having to try to relate to you in a new way and they're not sure how um or you know they might be afraid of having to look at their own habits right so you know we don't want to necessarily see areas in our own life that might need to change um now unfortunately you know what happens is it comes out you know it doesn't come out as fear it comes out possibly as anger or defensiveness or attacking you or maybe even shaming and ridiculing you and you know, so it doesn't feel good. You know, it doesn't feel helpful at all. But it's important to remember, you know, that change is hard for everybody. So think about how hard it is for you for a moment if you are trying to change long-standing habits, especially around drinking. Well, you know, it's going to be hard for others around you to change as well. Mm. Now, the other thing to be aware of is that you know, when a person quits using alcohol. You know, it's like shining a light onto problem drinking. Mm. Now, Chris, you and I, we both grew up in the state of Florida. (laughs) And uh, most people, you know, know Florida for Disney World and sunny beaches. (laughs) But if you grew up in Florida like we did, you know that Florida is also home to what has to be the world's largest population of cockroaches. (laughs) so
0: true i thought you were going to say is the largest population of alligators but even better cockroaches
1: (laughs) well here's the point of that you know um if you know anything about cockroaches you know that they run from the light when you walk (laughs) into a dark room and you flip on the lights what happens can you answer that yeah they
0: run like hell
1: they scatter exactly (laughs) yep So now I'm not I'm not trying to compare your friends and loved ones to cockroaches here, Um, even though you may be (laughs) thinking that of them yourselves at this point. Maybe some of them. I'm not sure. But what I'm trying to convey is that people like cockroaches will scatter from the light if they are not ready to make that choice for themselves. Hmm. And if you are asking them to be respectful of where you are in this journey, then you're going to have to be a little respectful of where they are as well. If they're not ready to follow you on your journey, that's okay. You know, you need to just communicate your boundaries to them and seek support from other sources who are on the same journey as you. Mm.
0: You know, I also wonder if part of this uh, is that we sometimes overly Perceive that people have a problem with the drinking, and you know, Christine and I were having a conversation about this in the last, you know, twenty four to forty eight hours. We were thinking about how oftentimes we, in our heads, we say, "Well, they love us because, you know, my friends love me because I'm really fun and uh, I like to go out and drink with them. My friends love me because when I drink, I'm really funny." And interesting, which ultimately when you are hanging out with people who are drinking and you're not drinking, it turns out that you probably weren't as fun and interesting as you thought. But I guess the point is we get these perceptions that they love us because and then perhaps we're just a little bit more paranoid Mm -mm. uh, that they might not love us the same or that they might be actually trying to sabotage us. And that may be just a story we're telling ourselves in our head. Does that make sense when I say that?
1: Yeah, totally. And I, I totally agree with you. I think you know alcohol in a lot in all of our lives serves particular functions. And a lot of times those functions are social, you know, um, helping us feel more comfortable in social situations. Um, the term you know, social lubric- lubrication is often thrown around. So, um, yeah, we might actually believe that it's the alcohol that makes us funnier or makes us more likable or makes people want to be around us. And so you're right, you know, that paranoia, if we're not drinking, can really start to develop in our minds and we start assuming things about what other people are thinking about us when, in fact, you know, they may not be thinking those things at all Mm -hmm. and often probably aren't.
0: Yeah, so if I summarize your answers, to some extent what you're saying is, hey, you've taken a break from alcohol. Your friends may not be ready for that. Your significant other may not be ready for that. You, you've had this relationship in this context of a relationship that was something different, and perhaps drinking was a foundation. But just because they're not ready for it doesn't mean that they're not— it doesn't mean they're sabotaging you. It it just means they're not ready to be on that part of the journey with you.
1: Right. Absolutely. And that's where you have to sort of distinguish between, you know, them not being ready and them not being supportive or actively sabotaging you. Now there may be cases where they are actively trying to sabotage you. Mm -hmm. um, And that's another, that's another conversation. Um, But just because they're not going to stop drinking with you, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, they're being unsupportive or trying to sabotage you.
0: So on that topic, this is a great segue because um, I think I have an example of maybe sabotage. And, you know, I just want to say to all the listeners out there that there's a reason for you to have sensitivity around this. I mean, relationships and connections are important. And it is important to know how this decision you have made to take a break from alcohol is going to affect and impact those relationships. So I want to show a degree of care around this conversation and some empathy. Um and in the first part of this discussion what we're really talking about is people not supporting us versus sabotaging. But this was a good segue Jeff that you brought up because here's an example of where I think there there may be sabotaging going on and and maybe from your expert opinion you'll you'll see it differently. But I've read posts from members, uh, such as a situation where a husband bought alcohol on the way home, and they and he actually purchased alcohol that he doesn't even drink. It was it was her drink of choice. So mm. what do you do when someone you love does something like this? I mean, it, would you consider that sabotage? And if so uh you know how, how do what's the right way to respond to that
1: well that's a really really good example and you know going back to what we were just talking about i think it helps to start with perspective and this uh and admittedly i'm going to say up front that this may not be easy it's easy to look at that situation and say this person is actively trying to sabotage me or, you know, think, you know, this person really cares nothing about me because they're doing this. The truth is, however, they're probably not, they're not reacting against you. They are reacting against change. Mm the fact that you're changing is likely scaring the hell out of them Mm. for any number of reasons we mentioned before, you know, the the nature of the relationship is going to change. They might be afraid of actually losing you Mm. because of this. So, you know, I would encourage people not to immediately jump to this thought that, you know, this person doesn't care about me. This person is trying to sabotage me and instead think of it maybe, okay, maybe they're not, pushing against me they're pushing against this this change because they're scared you know and something is going on for them mm. now starting with this perspective will help you approach the situation in a much healthier way so rather than you know becoming angry or attacking your partner or something like that and it devolving into an argument you know which could probably be very triggering you know for you to want to drink something like that Know you can communicate your needs and boundaries while also trying to understand what your partner might be experiencing. So, you know, I've heard it said that choosing sobriety or you know, alcohol free living can look really selfish at first, and necessarily so. You know, in the beginning, a person really has to focus completely on their own sobriety, you know, but again your partner may not be ready to jump on that bandwagon with you right away. So, you know, it might be helpful to ask your partner, you know, how they are feeling, what are they experiencing? You know, what's going on for them as you're making these changes and try to understand their perspective while also clearly communicating your boundaries and needs. You know, so you can say something like, you know, I understand this may be hard on you as well, But I really need you to honor my choice to stop drinking alcohol for X period of time and not bring home my drink of choice.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, when uh, Christine and I made a decision together to go on uh, an alcohol-free journey or, or really to take a break from alcohol, we had so much more success because the two of us were in it together we had both tried independently along the way to stop drinking. Um, But we were less successful just when we were even seeing the other person have the drink of their choice. You know, this wasn't even a case of uh, us bringing the favorite alcohol to the other person. But, I mean, do you think that this is something... When I think about Christine and I, like, I feel like if she came home with my drink of choice, I would probably get really, really verbal with her. And, you know, you know me, Jeff. I get very emotional about things, a very emotionally charged. I've uh, never
1: seen you that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm hearing you say that's probably not the right way to go, that I need to assume more positive intent and, again, assume that if she were to do that, is she's really perhaps rebelling against the change itself. And not necessarily trying to take me down into a rabbit hole.
1: Right, right. I mean, ask yourself, you know, is this person really trying to harm me intentionally? You know, if it's somebody that cares about you and that you've been in a relationship with, they're likely not trying to intentionally harm you. Um, They're reacting against change. Maybe they're not ready for that change themselves. And maybe, you know, like, like I said earlier, it's shining a light on an area in their own life where, you know, that feels uncomfortable for them, you know, and they're resisting that. Um, And it feels like they're resisting you or pushing against you, but it's probably some kind of internal struggle they're having in the situation. And being able to see that, see it from that perspective might help to temper your own emotions a little bit because yeah, like you said, you know, getting highly charged and going after them in that situation probably is not going to result, you know, in the desired outcome.
0: Yeah, for sure. When we kicked off this discussion, I should have said that the way I'm really organizing this conversation today is um, really following the path of our members on their alcohol-free journey. So these first two things that we talked about in terms of uh, what do you do when you feel like your friends or your significant other is not supporting you and that they're drinking. And then the second question around what do you do if they're actually just not, it's not a support thing. It feels like they're sabotaging you. These are questions that generally pop up new in the alcohol-free journey For our members. So I want to transition the conversation now to a little bit further down the road. And I'm thinking this is more about the 60 to 90 days into the alcohol-free journey. And uh, people get further down that road. And it's common for them to express that uh, their friendships or their romantic relationships are becoming less relevant or that the foundation of the relationship was alcohol, and that with alcohol gone, the relationship seems fractured. Is there a good way to know when we need to, um, you know, sort of break up with a friend or a romantic partner, or when we should just keep working on the relationship?
1: Yeah, so we talked about how in the beginning of the journey, you know, there may be a lot of people in your life who are going to be supportive, but you shouldn't be surprised if some people you've developed close relationships with will push against it. Now, however, you know, over time, you know, and that's going to vary, you know, from person to person, but over time, the people who do truly care about you should start to come around, right? So... Now what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that they have to stop drinking altogether themselves to support you like we were like we were talking about and you shouldn't expect them to. You know, again, that's their decision, their journey. But it does mean that they're going to respect your decision and work on ways they can support you on the journey. You know, so one important question, you know, to ask is are you seeing that in the relationship over time, you know, is your partner, your friend willing to be flexible and at least alter some of their behaviors to support you, you know, so some of the things I've heard couples do in this situation where one is not drinking and the other one still is, you know, is they agree not to keep alcohol in the home anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, if they're living together, you know, the person who still drinks might buy like a separate mini fridge and keep their alcohol in that, you know, so, the person who's not drinking doesn't have to see it every time they open up the refrigerator another question is you know are they respectful when they speak to you you know are they offering supportive statements or are they you know badgering you about drinking or degrading you about choosing not to drink you know a couple of other important questions you know are you able to connect with them in other ways that don't involve drinking and still feel close to them in the relationship. That's really important. Mm. Um, and then, you know, are you able to enjoy other activities together that don't involve drinking? So these are questions you can be asking yourself to really try to determine, you know, what is the quality of this relationship outside of drinking? Mm. So, you know, on this journey, you know, we all probably have a combination of relationships that are meaningful beyond the use of alcohol, and we have relationships that probably developed and only consisted around drinking or consuming alcohol. So in my own journey, you know, coming out of a period of substance use in my 20s, I knew there were relationships in my life I immediately needed to sever. But there were also a number of relationships in my life with very dear friends who were still using substances on some level that I wanted to maintain, you know, and the people who really cared about me didn't stop using right away themselves, you know, Mm. but they did try to support me in my choices at the time.
0: I mean, that must have been a really fine line between people that were using that you, like you said, you knew for a fact you needed to sever those relationships, but then there's another group of people who continue to use and you seem comfortable maintaining those relationships. What, what's the dividing point of that line? Is it all those things that you just talked about or is there, is there even more to that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was some of what I just talked about and some of it was, um, just knowing myself and knowing these relationships, You know, some of the relationships I developed, like I said, developed solely around the use of substances and those were unhealthy relationships. And really, I had no relationship with those people outside of using those substances. So, you know, the people that I chose to maintain relationships with were people that I had a relationship with really before that. Um, And maybe we did use some together. But there was much more substance to the relationship than just using. And even though they continued to use, like I said, they were respectful of my choice and weren't, you know, using in front of me. And were actually even protective of me to some degree and tried to keep it, you know, away from me.
0: It's such an interesting dynamic to observe. I have a group of friends that I used to work with a number of years ago. And we have this tradition, once a year, we get together and um, the guys drink and they smoke cigars. And um, we've been doing this for years. And I've been on this alcohol-free journey now uh, for at least two years uh, where we've gotten together. Now, prior to me not drinking, I didn't smoke cigars. And I never felt like I was on the outside of these guys because I wasn't smoking a cigar. But I was really apprehensive when I showed up the first time where not only would I not be smoking cigars, I would not be drinking. And I actually started thinking like, maybe I should just try to smoke the cigars. It would feel less awkward. Well, I showed up to the first get together and the guys had already ordered me a soda water with lime in it. And honestly, never felt once like I was being judged for not drinking nobody i never felt like people were nudging me to drink or nudging me to smoke cigars and yet i have other friends that i tried to do the same thing with and the second i would uh show up and not drink it was just constant uh nudging and <clears throat> again didn't feel like it was very supportive and so i started to ask myself this question that you're you're talking about which was Hey, m- maybe the foundation of this was never a friendship. Maybe the foundation of this, just to use the example you you use was we're, you know, this the foundation of this relationship is just using. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say uh we we do realize we're in a bad relationship. And as as Dane Cook would say, uh the relationship becomes a relationship. <laughs> what is what is the best way to do that what is the best way to say to somebody um hey i don't think this is a i don't think this is serving either one of us well
1: yeah well you know there's an old classic american song called breaking up is hard to do <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we've all experienced a breakup at some of some sort, you know, in our lifetimes. And it's never easy, you know, when you have to end a relationship for some reason or another. And I wish I had a simple pain-free process for, for breaking up because I'd be a multimillionaire right now if I did. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, one doesn't exist. But there are some things. So there are some things you can do to perhaps make it a little bit smoother. So, you know, I would recommend one is, you know, focus on the destination that you are trying to get to. You know, so keep talking about yourself, keep the focus on you and and what you're trying to accomplish. And number two is focus on your changing values and desires for your life. You know, again, what you're trying to accomplish, what you want to achieve, and how things are changing for you. And then three, focus on your changing needs when it comes to relationships. So in other words, you know, it helps to keep the focus on you and how your needs have changed rather than placing the focus or blame on your friend or partner and, and what they might be lacking. Because at the end of the day, you know, when you're ending a, any relationship, you don't really want to leave someone feeling even worse about themselves. You know, now sometimes that's unavoidable and you can't prevent prevent that, you know, no matter how you break things off. But if at all possible, you want to try to leave someone feeling inspired to be the best version of themselves. And they may not be able to feel that in the moment. You know, they might be in pain because the relationship is ending. Even so, though, you can potentially inspire them and be a catalyst for change in their lives by how you set the example for how to take care of your ideal self.
0: Mm do you think it's possible to end that relationship and come back to it in the future? Like, you know, um, and when I think about back in the future, I'm talking about like you come back five years, maybe 10 years from now. Is it, is it selfish? Would it be selfish of me to want to try to reignite a relationship that, Someone has had plenty of time to get over me, so to speak. It's like, okay, hey, Chris just told me to take a hike that we uh, don't have anything in common anymore because uh, he doesn't want to drink. And so they've moved on. And now suddenly five to 10 years later, I try to rekindle things. Hmm.
1: That's going to really depend on the relationship, right? Um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything selfish necessarily about reaching out to someone down the road and checking in on them and say, Hey, you know, just wanted to check in, see how you're doing. I know it's been a long time since we talked, you know, how is life? You know, I don't don't think there's anything wrong with that. It shows that you still care about the person, um, and want to genuinely just want to know, you know, what's going on. Um. I think a lot of people, you know, or maybe not a lot of people, but at least some people, you know, if the nature of the changes you have made has impacted them, you know, at some point you might be hearing from them down the road, you mm-hmm. know, where they're saying, "Hey, you know, three, four, five, however, however many years down the road, they're coming back and saying, you know, I really wasn't ready at the time, but." you know, the, the choices you made, the changes you made in your life, um, you know, really got me thinking. And, and over time I decided to stop drinking or I decided to make these certain changes in my life as well. And, you know, you know, it's great when we have those stories, you know, where someone actually might come back to us and express appreciation, you know, for, for making a change and that maybe did inspire them to change themselves. Um, that doesn't always happen. You know, like I said, it's nice when it does um, and it feels good, but um, but it, that can happen as well. So that's why I think it's important, you know, to try again to leave that person as intact as possible, because if they're struggling too, you know, again, the last thing you want to do is just heap more shame or guilt onto them, you know.
0: That's really good advice. Um, now, now, let me turn the tables for a minute. And it, what we've been doing is talking about relationships that are likely built on the wrong foundations. Um, they're likely not nurturing us or growing us uh, and, and making us stronger. They're pulling us down. But let's, let's turn the tables and let's talk for a couple of minutes about relationships that are positive and healthy and people who will likely be a part of our lives for a very long time. What's your advice on how to pivot, so to speak, and to build deeper connections that have a new alcohol-free foundation? And I'm asking this question especially for men who I've worked with in the Mastermind program who have expressed that they want to change their relationship with a specific friend that they believe the relationship could be a very strong one, but they feel awkward about broaching that topic with that friend, with said friend. Mm. Um, What's your advice for um, people in that situation?
1: Yeah, well, you know, the first word that comes to mind is intentionality. Mm. You know, you have to be intentional about building a new foundation and that really that starts with communication So you want to communicate to the people who are really important to you that you want to develop a new healthier relationship with them You know and this does this requires a degree of vulnerability and probably Provoke some anxiety and that's you know, I think the biggest challenge for men like you're saying you know um, that that might be the biggest challenge, right there. You know, is being vulnerable, making themselves vulnerable, and communicating that, communicating that they want that. Um, but it requires us to. It's going to require us to step out of our comfort zone, you know, um, and and take that risk, you know. But you know, because you know, we all have concerns about how people are going to respond, you know, in that situation. So you know, what are they going to say? Are they going to reject me? You know? Um, so, and all those things are possible, right? But you'll also find out right away who really cares about you and who doesn't. So it can be a good litmus test too. Mm. And the people who don't really care about you, well, you don't want them in your life anyway. So Mm. the sooner you find that out, the better. The other thing I'd say, you know, is, is recognize that it, it's going to take a little bit of time too. So remind yourself to be patient with the process. You know, you and the other person involved will need time to perhaps acclimate to a deeper connection and a new way of relating to each other. You know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, you become accustomed to the relationship being one way. And if that's changing, it's going to take a little bit of time to get used to that. You know, there are also, you know, maybe circumstances where you have to do some repairing. You know, if you've done things to damage that person or hurt that person, um, you might need to take time to reestablish trust in the relationship. You know, so the biggest thing I would say is give yourself and others a lot of grace, you know, during this period of transition.
0: Really, uh, really good advice. And Again, this is really this is something that comes up I think in the 60 to 90 days part of the journey. You know, in the beginning of the journey, we have people who instantly are affected by us taking a break from alcohol. And that again was us talking about feeling like uh, people are either supporting or not supporting us. Are they sabotaging us? Then we get a little bit further down in our journey and we start to recognize that, Hey, I need to reset my compass in my life that this taking a break from alcohol stuff has really resulted in a lot of positive change in my life. And therefore I need to be very intentional about my relationships, and I need to evolve the relationships that are worth hanging on to, that make me feel strong, that build me up, that are productive, and I need to be assertive and kind, Uh, kind of the kind truth to the friends that I'm going to have to break up with. And now I want to transition the conversation into 90 days and beyond. What a lot of our members experience at this part of their journey is they start to experience this feeling like, hey, this is more than taking a break from alcohol. This is actually going to be a permanent staple in my life, and I'm actually not sure that I'm ever going to drink again. And... Now it feels like I got to get out there and make sure the world understands where I stand with this. Um, That in the parts of the journey we've been talking about so far, it's been these are the people that are closest to us, but now we need to get out there and make sure that the world knows. And, And so and what i what i see by the way is that people start to worry about this. Mm. They're worried about how their their the broader audience of friends are going to accept this news. So, do you have any tips for listeners on coming out to their friends and 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 why it's important to do that? And again, I I hope, I, I hope I'm making sense in the way I'm setting this question up for you. Uh, I'm processing the, hey, I've told my best friend Jeff that I am not drinking, that the relationship matters to me, and I want to evolve it, that we have a foundation that goes beyond drinking. But now I'm thinking about my whole Facebook community. Like, do I need to go out and make a proclamation to that group of people? Or at work, do I need to make a proclamation to all of my work friends? Hey, I need you guys to know I'm, I'm out on this alcohol stuff.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I th- yeah, that's really important. And I think for, for one thing, it's going to be really natural to feel some anxiety around that, you know? Um, like I, I just mentioned previously, you know, we we worry about how our friends and people around us are going to respond to us, you know, um, oftentimes. So that's very natural and very normal to be nervous about that or anxious about that. The importance though, of communicating it, I think can't be overstated. You know, you have to set the boundaries up front, you know, with your friends and be able to set new expectations at the outset. You know, they need to know your plans And your commitment to an alcohol-free journey so they can support you in that and possibly even help hold you accountable if need be Mm. Now, you know how to do that is going to vary I think person to person based on who you are and the nature of your relationships You know, you may communicate this, you know, all in one-on-one interactions Um, You might communicate it to a group of friends at one time, you know or you might choose to go out and announce it on to Facebook. You know, I had a close friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine die from alcohol related uh, reasons. And, you know, that's when I started an alcohol free journey and decided to go a year without drinking. And And I went ahead and announced that uh, to my close friends. Uh, but, but I announced it on Facebook too, you know, because to have that sort of public accountability And that can be really helpful sometimes to do something like that. Um, So how you do it, you know, is going to really depend on you. And that's something you want to give some thought to. But there are some things, you know, that I think are good to keep in mind, you know. So, you know, one, I would say, you know, be straightforward about what you're doing. You know, tell people directly, you know, whether that's your closest group of friends or everybody you know, you know, let them know. You know, don't try to hide it or be discreet about it. You know, tell them what you're doing. Um, The second thing I'd say is, is be clear about why you're doing it and why it's important to you. Mm. You know, you want to communicate your reasons for taking this course of action and why it matters to you. I think a lot of times if people understand the why, they're less likely to give you grief about it, Mm. you know, um, no but he was going to give me grief about stopping drinking when one of my closest friends had just died. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and if they the did, third...
0: that's a good candidate uh, for breaking up with that friend.
1: Yeah, exactly. That would be a good, good enough reason right there to think, yeah, this person really doesn't need to be a part of my life anymore. Probably. Totally. Yeah. Um, so the third thing, you know, I would say to, is to uh, be firm in your commitment. So don't hem and haw and be like, well, you know, I'm thinking about doing this or, you know, I'm going to try this for a little while and see how it goes. You know, that just gives people an in an to either try to talk you out of it or, you know, if they see you, you know, two months later at a party, you know, be like, you're still doing that new no drinking thing? You know, come on, have <laughs> a drink. With me. So be firm in your commitment. And if you are committing to an alcohol-free life, you want to communicate that commitment to people, and then the last thing I would say is, um, you know, be non-judgmental. You know, in other words, you don't want to come across like you have arrived at some new state of enlightenment, <laughs> and you feel sorry for all your poor friends who are still stuck in darkness. <laughs> so, you know, you want to be sure to come across with an air of humility. Not an air of superiority, at least if you want those people to stick around for a while.
0: I think that's so, that's such good advice. And that is so tough, right? Because I think about people who get really excited about uh, going vegan. Right. They've been it's like one of your friends who you you've just seen them at like some picnic mow down on a huge rack of barbecue ribs. And the next week they are vegans and they talk like they've been vegans forever. But they're just excited about it. They're excited about this change in their life. Uh, You see people do this with religion in some cases. Um, They find religion. They're uh, super excited about this enlightenment. And so they go out and they start proclaiming it to the world. And I think it probably is really hard when you're taking a break from alcohol and you see all of these unlocks happening in your life. It just feels like you have gotten some sort of enlightenment and you want all of your friends to experience that with you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's part of our... Our human nature, you know, when we make choices in our life that feel good to us, you know, we want to be celebrated for those choices. We want other people to recognize, you know, what we're doing, you know, especially if we feel good about it, if we feel like it's important, um, if it's meaningful to us. We want everyone to feel the exact same way, you know, one, because we don't want to be on the outside, right? You know, we don't want to be the odd, odd one out, you know, the oddball. Um, but two, you know, for the people who are closest to us, you know, we want to, to feel that, you know, they, they're going to affirm us and they're going to love us and they're going to be there for us. You know, um, the problem is, you know, yeah, a lot of times in our effort to have that, you know, we, can come across as being judgmental, we can come across as being too pushy, we can start trying to push those values onto them, because we want them to join us in this journey. Um, And we have to recognize, you know, they may not be ready for that. So I I read something um, not too long ago that I thought was really good, and really helpful. And it said, you know, keep your eyes on your own paper, You know, it's like when you're in school, you know, don't be looking at anyone else's papers. Don't be trying to cheat off them. That happened to me when we were in eighth grade. I don't know if you remember that or not, but, you know, I got busted and, you know, cheating on a math quiz, looking at my neighbor's paper. Um, And uh, so, you know, just worry about yourself, you know, in this journey. Focus on you and you don't need to change anyone else, you know, but you can with humility. Be an example to them and talk again a lot about, you know, why this matters to you, why it's important to you, how it's changing you, um, but also communicate your love, you know, to your friends and your acceptance of them. You know, um, you're not trying to change them, but, you know, this is a choice that that I have made for myself and, and I want you to know that and, and, you know, I hope that you can support me in that and just affirm that. Um, and know that I accept you for who you are too.
0: Well, I think it's the classic case. Uh, what I hear you talking about is it's the classic case of, of, um, you know, let your actions do the talking for you. That, absolutely, you know, you, you take a break from alcohol, it creates an unlock in your life. Perhaps there is enlightenment that happens. Um, and when you're just doing you, and you're living your life in a, in a way that is upstanding and admirable, someone else might look at that and be really inspired and motivated and may actually open the door for you by coming up mm-hmm. to you and saying, hey, what's changed? What's changed here? I you know mm-hmm. when I came out, so to speak, to my work friends, that was the hardest thing for me to do. Um, it was hard because there were deeply personal whys in terms of why I needed to take a break from alcohol. Um, It was hard because when you're at work, it's when you have the highest stress moments occur to you sometimes, and you're not always the best you. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, well, how do I put these pieces together and tell people, here's why I'm taking a break. And I really am trying to unlock a lot of things in my life, but You know, of course, my behavior at work has got to show that there's something different. And it was funny. I remember someone came up to me probably about a year into the journey, high uh, pressure, part of the workday, big meeting, and something happened in the meeting where this person expected me to basically lose it and lose my temper and I didn't. And he came up to me later and he said, you're so Zen these days. And believe me, I am so far from Zen. I don't even know how far I could describe being away <laughs> from Zen, but it was to me the first outward sign where someone was noticing a behavior change that came from taking a break.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that speaks a lot more volumes than you talking about it. Right. Totally.
0: Totally. Well, and I think this conversation is a good reminder that um, there's a a gentleman that I like to read. uh, His name is Patrick Lencioni, and he uses the phrase that relationships are messy and complicated. And they Mm -hmm. can be messy and complicated. And at the same time, we know the importance of connection and uh, deeply personal relationships with people in our lives and how it impacts our own happiness and fulfillment. So we have to work through these messy and complicated things. I mean, is it okay to call it messy and complicated when I refer to relationships? Is that okay?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, just think about us as individuals. We're messy and complicated individuals. You know, our emotions are messy and complicated. Our behaviors are messy and complicated. So when you put two people together, you know, (laughs) with all all that going on, it's going to be messy and complicated, right? That's funny.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Jeff. I am grateful for our messy and complicated relationship uh, that over the years has evolved since, again, being 13 or 14 years old. And in the 1980s, uh, you think about all of the generational things that have changed since then. I'm so grateful to have you in my life. I'm grateful that you let me put this microphone in front of you today. And I'm grateful that you, uh, were willing to sit down and offer your expertise to everybody.
1: Well, I feel the exact same way. And I'm thankful for our friendship and the journey that we have been on and that, we're now doing this together. It's really exciting and uh, just thankful that you had me on and um, hope I was able to offer something of value to the community and uh, just want to encourage everyone in their journey and encourage them to um, keep going and uh, want to give my you know condolences to Rory and his family as well
0: well our our wives and families and friends. Uh, are probably really happy that you and I got through a podcast and didn't say anything incriminating about one another. Um,
1: before I let you go, though. I appreciate that. There's probably, yeah, there's probably a lot you could have said. So I appreciate you holding back. And um, right. yeah, I made it a point to do that as well. I do want to mention before
0: you leave, Jeff, uh, that you and Jessica, your wife, Run a, an online relationship coaching practice. It's called Relationship Remastery. Relationships are messy and complicated. And for all of you listening to the podcast, if you're interested in exploring that further, they run uh, five day connection challenges. Christine and I did the connection challenge. And it's funny because we pride ourselves on having a strong relationship. But that that connection challenge really was a great unlock for some very deep conversations that I think um, further strengthened the bonds in our relationship. So, Jeff, really quickly, will you let the listeners know the best way to sign up for your free five-day connection challenge or to get in touch with you if they want to explore this stuff further?
1: Absolutely. Sure. Probably, you know, the two best ways to contact... Us Is either through our facebook group which is relationship remastery you can join a, our private facebook group um, And reach out to us through that way with a direct message or something um, Or you can email direct email me directly at jeff at relationship com. Uh, and if you're interested um, Just hearing more about any services that we offer or you're interested in taking the challenge we can um, You know give you that information and talk with you further about that if you're if you're interested in just a you know a free connection call you know to get on the phone and talk about where you are in your relationship and strategize a little bit about what next steps you might need to take and what might be helpful for you you know we're we're more than happy to set that up with you as well and again you know The best way to do that would just be to reach out to me directly, Jeff at RelationshipRemastery.com.
0: Thank you. And thank you, friend, for being on here with me. It was really good to catch up with you.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed it, and uh, it was great to be here.
0: Um, I am so happy to have uh, been a guest host on this podcast for the last few weeks and that You all have been very kind to me listening in. So, if you've made it this far in uh, this podcast, I appreciate you listening all the way through. And I just want to invite any of you listening, if you'd like to connect with me in the Challengers group, don't be afraid to reach out. I love to meet new people, and I'm happy to support you on wherever you're at in your journey. And also, just want to uh, invite you to consider a mastermind in the future. Mastermind is an awesome six week course that helps you reset your compass. It's so natural in your alcohol free journey to get to a place where you know for a fact alcohol is going to be out for good. And you just start asking, what's next? And that's what we explore in Mastermind. So, it would be an honor for me to be able to coach you and support you on your journey. Don't hesitate to reach out to me about that. And with that, thank you again for listening, and I hope that you make it a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself, head on over to no com